We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Hey, guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor. Send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network grassroots style it takes everyone you're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends all right enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of candlestick chronicles the 49ers podcast on the blue wire network my name is chris biederman i cover the 49ers for the sacramento b with me again it's kyle madsen of niners wire of the usa today sports media group kyle give me your your quickest takeaway from the game of thrones episode on sunday it was it was like a sporting event. It was the first time I've ever been like up off my couch during a TV show and like leaning into like the action the way I do with with the sporting event. It was uh, it was everything I wanted the the battle at Winterfell to be. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, if I were to give anybody who hasn't watched it yet a bit of advice, uh, turn the brightness up all the way. Very dark, like Very literally dark episode. Dark. I watched on my iPad in my room because I'm a I'm a dork like that. And uh, on the iPad, I was able to, to just crank that all the way up and it, it helped a lot. But we are not a Game of Thrones podcast. We're a 49ers podcast, but there's maybe a little bit of Game of Thrones like drama with the 49ers, I guess. I don't know. That's what's being reported out of Bleacher Report's Matt Miller. He kind of dropped a, a I guess it's a bombshell, maybe a minor bombshell with his scouting notebook on Tuesday. He says word out of San Francisco, quote, points to friction and a potential breakup of head coach Kyle Shanahan and general manager John Lynch. Miller goes on to say, quote, the coach Shanahan wants to scheme and develop players while not being bothered with the player evaluation process, but more and more he finds himself involved while not trusting the decision-making of Lynch, a former media analyst after his Hall of Fame playing days, but not someone with a scouting background. Okay. I made a couple phone calls. I did a little bit of digging. Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, friend of the pod, received a text in response to this article from Kyle Shanahan, and it was uh, complete bullshit. Uh, that's 
what uh, Shanahan texted Mayoko, which I thought was funny and very on brand for Shanahan. But in the conversations that I've had with people at varying levels of the organization who were in the draft room uh, over the weekend said that there is no indication that there's any sort of like potential franchise altering rift between the two. Everyone that I spoke with in, uh, in the organization is was really surprised with the report it sort of confirms everything I've seen. Um, I, I haven't had any thought that that there's any rift between Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch recently, and and particularly, you know, at the owners' meetings last month in Arizona, um, it's sort of unique circumstance. There's, you know, this big party with all the NFL bigwigs and decision makers, and everyone's having a good, good time. And at the 49ers table, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were there with their wives, and there was a bunch of other people around, and going in and out and everyone was having a jolly old time and smiles were, were abound. So I guess, you know, I, I don't know where exactly Miller got his information from. I'm not suggesting that, you know, he made it up out of thin air. I do question maybe his sourcing about this, but I do want to say Miller's accurately reported things about the 49ers in the past. And I know he was close with people in in the organization under previous regimes, you know, I, I'm not here to to denigrate Miller or his credibility or anything like that. But I will say, according to people I've spoken with, there nobody thinks there's there's a rift between Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and everybody thinks it's all positive. So, what was your reaction when when you first read the report Tuesday morning? Well, I don't have the same information and access that you do, so so my initial report was a little bit of surprise because. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, like they were hired together on purpose. The last relationship between the head coach and the GM with Jim Harbaugh and, and Trent Balky did not go well. And then York tried to keep Balky and just hire other head coaches and force them to work together. And it, it didn't work. And he learned from that. And so he did the opposite this time and hired a coach and a GM together that, that would work together. They have matching contracts. So going into year three, it seemed very strange that this relationship that was brought together on purpose and to be cohesive was already eroding to the point that they were going to split and part ways. You can see where it happens, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit. You can see like where that might come from and why, why a rumor like that might surface, but it just seemed very, very strange that a team that was aiming for stability and did everything to to make sure this new regime was going to have that stability would have it all fall apart less than three years after the fact. Yeah, I totally agree. And and everything that we've seen has, has been sort of cohesive between the two. And um, they both hit the podium for press conferences after each day of the draft. There was no outward you know, signs of any sort of disagreement between the two. But I will say like, Entering the third year of their regime and going back through a bunch of the important decisions that they've made, I mean, you could make a case that, or you could, I guess it's, you, you could say it's understandable where there might be some points of contention, obviously. Like, so Kyle Shanahan is the most important person in the football operation, right? He's atop the hierarchy. He's the one the 49ers wanted to hire to be their head coach. And in allowing him to be their head coach, they said, all right, you're going to pick uh, the general manager that works best for you. And then we're going to build out the personnel department off of that. And Miller goes on to say at the end, he says Shanahan might be, quote, looking for his own personnel man to run the draft and free agency going forward. I mean, that's what John Lynch is. 
right? Like that's who John Lynch was brought in to be. So it's a little bit, it would be strange to see Kyle Shanahan move on so quickly because they've made the case that everything has been going so well, whether it's, you know, roster construction or the culture that they've built. Uh, John Lynch is, is a big part of that, but it hasn't been perfect, obviously. They're 10 and 22 in their two seasons since taking over their jobs, and they've had a lot of notable missteps. Solomon Thomas has four sacks in two seasons, including just one last year where he was really just the closest guy to Derek Carr when he ran out of bounds. Reuben Foster was obviously a disaster. Um, Akella Witherspoon hasn't quite panned out yet, even though he's you know shown flashes now and again of, of being a productive starter. Those were the three first picks, the first three picks uh, of this new regime, and they're all defensive guys, and obviously Kyle Shanahan is an offensive coach. So maybe Shanahan looks at that and says, I need more out of our, our defensive guys we're drafting early, right? Maybe Nick Bosa changes yeah. that. So, you know, Ruben Foster was a, a disaster, an abject disaster, right? You know, another defensive guy. And they brought in Quan Alexander on a pretty you know, a significant contract, even though he suffered a torn ACL last October. They're counting on Jason Verrett to be a key member of their cornerback group this year, even though he missed all of last year with a torn Achilles. And so, I mean, you could look at this roster, particularly on the defensive side and say, yeah, maybe there are some issues that, you know, the team needs to improve upon and correct. Uh, And maybe Shanahan feels a certain way about that. But remember, too, like another prominent voice in that room is coordinator Robert Sala, defensive coordinator. And that's a guy Shanahan picked. Shanahan picked Sala because he wanted him to run that scheme. Shanahan thinks that Seahawks style scheme is the most difficult to go against. And he would also argue the 49ers haven't had the personnel to run it effectively. And I think this year is going to be their best shot. So. I mean, point being is that entering year three, you can go back and look at some of the decisions they've made about defense, including the most recent draft, and say maybe they could have invested more resources or invested their resources in a different way, particularly when it comes to the secondary. But, you know, in in terms of, and Miller wrote that, you know, Shanahan wants to scheme and develop players and not be bothered with the player evaluation process. I mean, I have it on on pretty good authority that Shanahan has been very involved in the player evaluation process, particularly on offense. Right. Um, and obviously he's not going to pull the Niners aren't going to pull the trigger on drafting a defensive player without Shanahan's blessing, just because he is the most important person in that room, essentially, aside from, you know, Jed York. So, yeah, I mean, from what I've been told, there's there's not much to this report, but I will say, like, we didn't believe the the Jim Harbaugh, Trent Baalke stuff initially when when those reports first came out like the Niners had just played in the Super Bowl and there were you know everyone thought Jim Harbaugh was going to be um you know one of the highest paid coaches in the league and there's right. a whole contract dispute that that sort of colored that situation along with you know him not getting along with Trent Baalke um but the point is is like none of us believed that at first and then it ultimately ended up completely just you know sort of destroying the franchise in that moment in time. Um, so that's not to say that this can't blow up eventually. I mean, there's a shelf life for every regime in the NFL, maybe with the exception of Bill Belichick, who's built up so much <laughs> equity through all those Super Bowl wins that he's going to go out on his own terms. But there's constant tur- turnover in the NFL, both in front offices and in coaching staffs. So, yeah, you could see if the Niners really struggle in 2013 and the defense 
continues to struggle next season and they're out of the playoff mix. And Kyle Shanahan could say, look, John, like the, the defense hasn't been as good as we need it to be to compete. And I'm going to go in a different direction. I do think Shanahan being, you know, I, I think he's, he's the most, like I've said, the most powerful person in the organization. So if there were to be a firing or the 49ers were to move on from somebody, I think it would be Lynch. But I, but I, the caveat is obviously like, we're a long way from that based on what I know about, you know, their relationship in the organization and, uh, and winning cures everything. So if they win next season, maybe if there is any sort of rift behind the scenes that that will cure it, but maybe, and and maybe if they lose again, it'll, it'll exacerbate it. So we'll just have to see. So I, I have a question for you then just based on what you said and more, more to clarify than anything. So there's, there's a much I don't want to say much greater chance, but knowing uh, hmm, if one of these two scenarios is for sure playing out, if a genie comes down and says, Hey, I'm from the future. I can't tell you which one, but one of these two scenarios is, is the case at the end of the 2019 season. Kyle Shanahan is gone or John Lynch is gone. You're saying that Kyle Shanahan is the, is the guy in that organization and that there's not a scenario where he is fired and John Lynch is not. Yeah, I think for the Bar- 49ers... Barring something like crazy egregious, but just yeah. in, because of on-field stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think the 49ers view it, and I think everyone else around the league would view it similarly, in that it would be a whole lot more difficult for the 49ers to replace Kyle Shanahan than it would be for John Lynch. Right? So sure. um, Shanahan is the guy who picked Lynch. Shanahan is is the number one in that organization similar to the way like Pete Carroll is in Seattle. Like John Schneider is a very good GM, but Pete Carroll is above him when it comes to, you know, pulling the trigger on, on all their important decisions. So, you know, if, if, if it came down to it, I think, I think that's what would happen if things got bad to where the personnel department wasn't doing its job in building out the roster, particularly on defense where, you know, Shanahan's an offensive guy, then, then that could be problematic. And and one thing uh, I thought about a little bit is just like where Miller might be getting his information. Right. And he said, he's getting it from members of the coaching staff and scouting department. Um, I can't speak to that, but what, what is interesting is like, I think the idea of John Lynch going from the television booth to general manager, one of the 32 most, you know, important executive roles in the NFL, really with no front office experience, aside yeah. from sort of a, a quote unquote internship with with John Elway back in the day during during one offseason and, and a draft. Like I could see people in within the football community having uh, a little bit of resentment towards towards the uh, the process that Winch went through, right? Because a lot of these yeah. general managers, like, you know, in the NFL, if you, an entry-level scouting job pays basically nothing, you have to work 15 hours a day, you know, grinding over tape or organizing things or, uh, you know, all, all sorts of different little, like, peon responsibilities you have as an entry-level scout. And then you build yourself up to an area scout. And then maybe you're a pro personnel scout or whatever, there are all sorts. There, there are tons of different steps to take, and a lot of GMs have started all the way at the bottom and then worked their way up. Um, so I could understand why other people within the scouting community throughout the NFL might 
harbor a little bit of resentment towards John Lynch for going from the TV booth to general manager. Um, and maybe, you know, somebody being disgruntled uh, with that line of thinking might be the one offering the information to somebody like Miller um, because they feel a certain way about John Lynch. And, and that's purely speculative. But um, the feeling I get, like I said, is that this is all sort of um, coming out, coming from nowhere. And, uh, and everyone's everyone I've spoken with was, was very surprised to, to hear about this report. And, and the funny thing is, is like, it's something because it happens, like it's something Jed York is going to have to deal with. And I know Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch know about the story. Obviously Kyle Shanahan commented on it. I'm sure the next time we talk to John Lynch and Shanahan, they're going to have to comment about it again. And, uh, it's just part of the cycle, the new cycle revolving, uh, the NFL. I think that's a good point is I don't think this is going to go away, but that doesn't mean there's any more validity to it. Uh, People are going to continue to ask about it because it's an interesting story for sure. But I think a lot of what happens over the next year or two with the 49ers front office is going to come down entirely to what happens on the field. And that's just a matter of if they go win three or four games again, it's like, all right, something has to change here. And that happens with any team. I don't think that's going to happen because of a, because of a rift that divide that, that, that started opening during the 2019 NFL draft, you know? Yeah, totally agree. And like winning solves everything. That's just it. If they go out this year and win even eight or nine games and show an improvement, I think, I think there was going to be more of a learning curve. And I think we saw that over the first couple of years because the Niners had to basically tear their roster down and then with a first time GM build it back up. And I think that process might've taken a little longer than people wanted, especially follow the Jimmy Garoppolo trade and how they finished out the 2017 season, I think the expectations for 2018 got too high. I think they fell short of reasonable expectations. I think probably seven, eight, nine wins was a was a re- reasonable expectation last year. They obviously fell short of that, due in large part to injuries. But if it happens again this year, it's like, all right, now they're behind that original curve that was set. Right. Uh, and, and that's when, that's when it, it becomes a problem. They they took over an organization without really a quarterback. They completely remade the roster and they, you know, I think now entering year three, had they not landed Jimmy Garoppolo early in their the first season of, of their tenures, uh, we would be looking at right now like year three, say they drafted um, a rookie quarterback in 2017. Uh this would be the year where it's like, all right, now we're going to know the the rookie has had two years in the system. This is a time where you either put up or shut up. And we're really going to figure out if this rookie's any good. And if Kyle Shanahan's any good, well, the 49ers kind of lucked into the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Like the trade fell into their lap a whole lot sooner than they expected. Right. So that sort of sped up the process for them. Jimmy Garoppolo goes on that five-game winning streak and beats a a few playoff teams, and then they sign him to a $137.5 million deal over five years. And then all of a sudden, okay, entering year two, we have our franchise quarterback who isn't a rookie, who has NFL experience, who spent a bunch of time behind Tom Brady. And now we're in a good spot. We should start winning, Um, which is why I I sort of, I I push back on on one thing that Miller wrote. He said, you know, with four years left uh, and he's, He's alluding to the the contracts of Lynch and Shanahan, who both signed six-year contracts when they are hired. Mm-hmm. He said that the team that's been stuck in neutral ever since uh, the 2017 season. And mm. 
I, I just don't agree with the idea that they're stuck in neutral. I think at least not through anything that they've done. I think, you know, had Jimmy Garoppolo remained healthy last year, I think the Niners would have been far more competitive. That's a pretty obvious statement, right? Like, and if the Niners had won, you know, eight games last year, nine games, no one would say, well, they're stuck in neutral. You'd say, well, they're, they're improving and they should be in the mix for a playoff spot in 2019. So um, I, I don't, I, I guess you could find fault in the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is your franchise quarterback because there are questions about his durability coming in. But I don't think because he tore his ACL last September in Kansas City that the Niners are stuck in neutral or that that's the fault of Kyle Shanahan and or John Lynch. I just think stuff like that happens in the NFL. Um, And there's not a whole lot you can do about it particularly when you're remaking the roster and you don't have the resources to insulate yourself from, from stuff like that. You don't have a system in place. Like what the Patriots had a few years ago when Tom Brady tore his ACL and uh, I think, what was it? Matt Castle came in and they went, they still went 10 and six. Like that's a product of the foundation you build over time. Right. Right. And so go ahead. And 2019 is going to be a huge year. I think for, for a lot of the reasons that we're talking about, but the 49ers have now had three drafts. Let's leave this year's class out. The first two years, Reuben Foster is no longer on the team. Joe Williams is no longer on the team. Other than that, all their other draft picks are on the 90-man roster to go along with their, their entire draft class this year. Like At some point, those guys need to produce. I think when you look at the front office, if they have these 27 draft picks who uh, a large majority of them are on the roster – and they're still only winning like four or five games, then I think it's perfectly reasonable to turn around and look at the front office and go, all right, what are we doing wrong in our player evaluation that we have almost 30 picks in the last three years and can't put a competitive football team on the field? Absolutely. And there's, you know, I also think, you know, maybe somebody in the Niners building saw a disagreement between John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. And because there there haven't been many disagreements between those two, at least any that that any of us have seen and they've admitted that they've disagreed and they've talked about it because you would hope that's the case. Right. That's the, that's what's, that's the natural way to, to do this, you know, to, to build a roster is come, come at it from differing viewpoints. And if, if an offensive guy and a defensive guy agreed on everything, then you would wonder what the problem is. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with everything you said. Like it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it, I haven't seen it. I just haven't. And, and, and maybe, maybe there, maybe there are small signs of, of cracks in the foundation and maybe they exacerbate if they lose, but I just, I I just haven't seen any of it. So I was a little, I was a little surprised to see the report. With the Harbaugh stuff, I think a lot of the reports and just kind of some of the things that were going on, like there were signs and like little red flags here and there that, okay, maybe there's something to this. And it doesn't sound like that's the case here. Well, there was the whole contract thing. So Jim Harbaugh wanted to be one of the highest paid coaches in the NFL. The 49ers would have would have been willing to make him the highest paid coach in the NFL if they won the Super Bowl. And I think it's it's fair to say the Niners were incredibly upset that they didn't win the Super Bowl. And I think people in the front office blame Jim Harbaugh for not winning that game. Um, I don't know how fair that is or not. I mean, obviously the Niners were favorites and they lost, but favorites losing in the Super Bowl have it happens almost every year these days. Right. But yeah, and then there was there was a contract stalemate. 
And and that sort of ignited everything, I think, was the front office not willing to make Jim Harbaugh the highest paid coach in the NFL, despite his unprecedented success, taking the 49ers to three straight title games in a Super Bowl in his first three seasons. That had never happened in the NFL before. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan signed matching six-year contracts because Jed York wants these guys to be in lockstep, and he's he's putting continuity above all else. And at the owners' meetings, he he said, like, I've never been more confident in those two guys. And part of that is because they've had a couple years to to implement the system and build out the roster, and they have their franchise quarterback who's not a rookie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just hard to see the the genesis of this. But on the other hand, you can go back and look and see why there might be consternation. Like, why isn't the defense better? Uh, why did we draft two receivers instead of just one when we could have um, addressed the secondary, either at safety or at cornerback? Why did we guarantee all of our Eric Armstead's money for 2019 on his fifth-year option? Why did we do the same thing in 2018 with Jimmy Ward? Um, you know, all of these things you can you can look at and 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 understand where there might be uh, a source of consternation, but. But just in this case, right now, just the and the way the the report is worded, I'm just not seeing it. But I'm also not naive to uh, naive enough to say like their relationship is going to be perfect always. Right. Because yeah, if they go if they go three and thirteen this year, then then you know there's a good chance some heads roll next next January. Hey man, I had to Google consternation. I just want to let you know that. Really? <laughs> Uh, I'm usually not a big word guy. I don't. I really. I didn't think consternation. Well, I, I was had like an idea bad. just based on context clues, but uh, I was like, "What does the shapes the stars make have to do with?" The <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's uh, pretty funny. You mentioned Jed York, and that's another. That's another interesting piece of this that that I'm going to be keeping an eye on this year was. He, if we're if we're being totally honest, he handled the Jim Harbaugh Trent Balky rift about as poorly as he could, um, and, and I think he he exacerbated a lot of the problems between the two of them. Um, I think probably the most glaring public example was his tweet following the Thanksgiving night game against the against the Seahawks. The that was an unacceptable performance tweet. Um, yeah, apologizing to the fan base—that's not. Yeah, not yeah. not a great look. And I think he knows that. I think he learned from that. He was—he's frustrated. Like you get it. But I'm very interested to see how he handles this going forward. Um, in terms of if there is if there is something here, how does he handle it? And if there's not, um, does he try and? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, he's he's just. I feel like he's done a lot of things right over the last couple of years. And and I'm I'm intrigued to see how how he handles a little turbulence. If this does end up being an issue to the point where he has to make a decision, I mean I think it's pretty clear it would be John Lynch and or Adam Peters who or you know anyone else in the personnel department would be the fall guy. Um, and that that's an odd thing with the NFL and and teams I think are probably too concerned about like what the fan base thinks. Um, and I know fans all the time, like if something bad happens, they want somebody fired or they want that instant gratification of changes made where really like one of the biggest problems throughout the NFL. And this is sort of just like a broad issue, not necessarily a 49ers issue, but just like the lack of continuity in the league 
that can make it really difficult to win. And I know the Patriots are the Patriots, but one of the reasons why they can win all the time is because of all the continuity they have and how deeply ingrained their system is and how, um, how well the players know the system and how good the coaching staff and even the front office there have become at implementing that system and sticking to it. When you're constantly making changes in the coaching staff or the front office, as we've seen with the 49ers these last few years, like it's very hard to be good. Um, A lot has to go right for you. And particularly when you don't have a franchise quarterback. So, you know, the 49ers like to say they have their franchise quarterback. I think Jimmy Garoppolo could be a top, top five, top eight, top 10, whatever quarterback in any given season, uh, particularly running Kyle Shanahan's offense with the right personnel. Um, And if the defense can force a turnover every once in a while, um, I I think the Niners could, could be in a good spot, but we just haven't seen it yet. And maybe some of this, you know, is just a product of angst because the team has gone, you know, 10 and 22 over the last two years. Right. That that would that would make a lot of sense. Like you get a bunch of competitive guys in a room and there's not a lot of winning going on. You can see where some tension might grow. So in summation, I'm not buying this report. And that's not to discredit Matt Miller or or you know what he's heard or whatever. I just what I've heard is is different. So uh and it sounds like other people who are on the beat who have reported things about this would uh would agree with me. So uh, is there anything you want to add? I guess uh, we, we could mention the 49ers will have their um, rookie mini camp Thursday and Friday this week. We will get to talk to players on both days. We'll also watch practice on Friday. Uh, there's no, it's not going to be any veterans. It's going to be a bunch of tryout players. Um, the draftees will be practicing for the first time and uh, the undrafted rookies will be will be practicing for the first time. And um, there's there are preliminary lists floating out there, but those guys haven't put pen to paper. We'll break those down when those signings do become official. Uh, and with that, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on this special episode about a possible rift or not rift hmm. or however you want to term it. Uh, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you guys later. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.